0: Man, Thank you, Don. Well, good morning again. I trust everyone had a Merry Christmas. Glad to see you back with us. Um, I've been thinking for a month or so where we wanted to go to uh, begin the new year. And I've decided, as of this past Monday, because, you know, Sunday's coming, uh, that we're going to cover the spiritual gifts. So we'll be in Romans chapter 12. Um, for the next mm, probably six weeks, seven weeks, something like that. And uh, today I just want to speak a word of introduction to the spiritual gifts, and then it'll tie in toward the end. Y'all will be able to follow me. Um, Today's topic, though, is about defining success. Defining success. What would be the measure of success for your life? How would you define a successful, happily lived life? The world has its idea of what your goal in life should be. That is, to use your gifts, to use your talents, to use your abilities, to advance ourselves. That's how the world views success, to secure our own financial future, to get to the top of the ladder, to assert yourself, and to get what you want out of life, to amass all of the power, all all the prestige. In short, the purpose of life, at least from a worldly perspective, is to advance yourself as far and as high as you possibly can. And if you've got to step on somebody to do it, that's okay, because they'd step on you right back if they had the opportunity, right? And so that's how the world defines success, as power, as achievement, as advancing yourself. Now, the question for us as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, is what is the biblical perspective of success? In other words, what is God's view of success? How would God define success? Now, it's interesting when you look at the Scriptures that some of the disciples of Jesus actually shared this view, this worldly view of success uh, with the world, that it was power, it was achievement, it was advancing yourself. And there's evidence of that uh, in Matthew chapter 20. So if you have your scriptures, you can, uh, Bibles, you can flip over there with me, Matthew chapter 20. Uh, We're going to be reading verses 20 through 21 and then 24 through 28. And so we see the disciples sharing the world's view of success and then Jesus coming in behind that and saying, hey, look, Let's, really, let's rethink this here. So let's stand and read together from God's Word as we do each week. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 21. Here we go. Then the mother, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant. and to give his life as a ransom for many. You may be seated. Thank you so much. All right, let's kind of walk through these scriptures together and see how, first of all, the disciples see success, and then the flip side of that, how Jesus defines it or redefines it. Um, let's start at verse 20. So the mom of two of the disciples comes to Jesus with a request. She says, verse 20, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, two of the disciples of Jesus, came up to Jesus with her two sons, and here is her vain request, beginning at verse 20. 21 It says, say or declare that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left when you set up your kingdom. Now, what is she asking for? What is she wanting Jesus to do for her sons? Well, she wants to make sure that her boys, when Jesus becomes a king, get primary, the primary spots in his kingdom, one at his right hand and one at his left hand. In other words, she wants one of her sons to be the secretary of state and one of her sons to be the vice president. She wants them to have first dibs at the top spots, right? That's what she's asking for. And uh, so this Jewish mama had a perspective of success that we would say resembles the world's perspective of success. Um, That is to say, her definition had as its goal power and achievement and advancing oneself. In other words, she had a worldly view of success, and she was not embarrassed um, about doing all that she could to try and advance her own boys, right? She walked right up to Jesus and just flat asked him for this. Now, the other disciples, upon hearing this, they got mad. They were upset about this. Look at verse 24. It says, And when the ten heard it, heard what James and John's mama had asked, they were indignant at the two brothers. And that word indignant means that they were shocked, they were appalled, they were outraged that these two, brought, these two disciples among them had crossed that line and had asked for something so vain. And what I want you to see is that though some of the disciples thought this was out of bounds, James and John did not. They agreed with their mama. They were fine that she had done this. In fact, the same story is relayed over in Mark chapter 10, and it isn't James and John mother who was asking making this request it was actually james and john themselves who make the request saying can we please sit one at your right hand and one at your left so we learn here that not only had they send their mom in very covert right but then they come in behind her and say hey jesus about that request our mom made we would like you to reciprocate on that right and so it was a so my point is that james and john were two of jesus's top disciples and even two of jesus's top disciples shared a view of success with the world. It was a view built on winning. It was a view built on achieving and is getting as far and as high up the ladder as you can. But again, the question that we asked earlier was, is this view, the view of the Bible, is this view of success how God would define it? Uh, Jesus tells us, look at verse 25. He responds to this request by saying, verse 25, Jesus called called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones, or high officials, exercise authority over them. In other words, greatness in the world's eyes involves power, it involves clout, it involves achievement. And in the world's eyes, the more people that you have serving you, then, hey, the more successful you are. Right? That's how the world measures success. If you've got a whole bunch of people serving you, then you must be very successful. And Jesus says, no, that's not the case, verse 26 He says, it shall not be so among you. That is not how I want you living. He says, instead, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And then verse 27, and whoever would be first among you must become your slave. So Jesus says, the person who's going to be first, the person who's going to be greatest, the person who's going to be successful is the one who serves the most. Verse 28, even as with the Son of Man came not to be served, I didn't come here to minister, others to minister to me, but rather I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying that greatness in God's sight involves servanthood. It involves humility of mind and putting the needs of others ahead of our own and using our gifts and our talents and our abilities to encourage and promote the success of others, not simply to promote ourselves. That's how God views or defines success. In short, in God's eyes, the more people that we have or the more people that we serve, the greater that we are. And the Word of God teaches us that this is the purpose of life, that if we want to have a successful life, if we want to have a joy-filled life, the way we accomplish that is by serving the most people that we possibly can. Um, So we must use our gifts, use our talents, use our education all to advance the glory of God and to serve others, and Jesus said just earlier in this same chapter, Matthew chapter twenty, verse sixteen, He said, "So the first will be, or so, so the first will be last, and the last first. Okay, well that is our treatment of this topic today. That serving in the kingdom of God is how we become successful in this life. That's what being ser- being a servant is. What success looks like, and so that brings us to the point in the sermon that we ask our question. It's the most important question. The question we ask every week around here, right? Y'all know what it is. It's coming. What difference? That's right, Aaron. Good job. What difference does this make to our life? You say, Gordon, I appreciate what you're saying, um, but that makes really great Bible talk. I mean, I live in this place called the real world, and uh, if I was to go out and serve everybody uh, everywhere that I went, I'd be broke by Friday, right? I'd be left on the side of the road for dead. People would just run me over if I lived like this. So Jesus could not possibly have been serious when he said we were supposed to live this way. What difference does any of this make to me? Well, it's a really great question. Let's see if we can answer that. First of all, Jesus is serious. In fact, he demonstrated this kind of servanthood by laying down his life for you and me. And if you're here today and you've never entered into a real and personal relationship with Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, friends, I can't think of a better way for you to start the new year than to put your faith and your trust in the work that Jesus did on the cross to be the, uh, the, the, the price that was paid for your sins and to enter into that relationship with him, something for you to think about. But about this issue of serving others, I've got three reasons why, that I want you to consider why we should live this way, why we should serve others um, in 2020, um, despite the dog-eat-dog world that we live in. The first reason that we should serve others, number one, is the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means that God is in control of all things and that's um and that that what that means is that god can advance me god can move me on up the ladder even while i'm helping other people succeed that god can advance me forward or god can promote me god can bring success into my life even while i'm serving other people even while i'm helping other people out because god is big enough to do that he is in control and furthermore if God needs me further up the ladder, if God needs to promote me, God can, by his sovereign hand, accomplish that. He doesn't even need you and me to help him do it. He can just see to it that it happens because he's in control. Now, this should take a lot of pressure off. Some of us have been trying to win the world's affections for many years, thinking that somehow magically, if we win the world's affections, that that will lead to our promotion, that will lead to our success, that will lead to moving on us on up the ladder. Some of us have been stepping on other people for many years rather than serving them, thinking that that's just the way it has to be done because that's the world system. And if I want to compete in the world system, if I want to win in the world system, then I got to do the way the world does. I got to step on other people. Well, friends, I got news for you. God is sovereign. God is in control. And if we will obey him and serve others, God will get us where God knows we need to go. Second reason that we ought to serve others. Second reason. Um, well, before I tell you that, let me tell you a little story. I know y'all may not believe this or not, but I used to be part of a singing group. <laughs> yeah, right. Laugh. All right. There were six of us. There were three guys and three gals, and uh, we were called Servant's Heart. So that was our that was our group name. And we traveled around Indiana and Ohio and Michigan. This is where I was in college during the summer. Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky. In Illinois, I think that's the states that we hit. And so we crisscrossed back and forth, and we were going to these like old-timey camps, uh, like summer camps or whatever. There was youth camps we went to. We'd sing at uh, churches in the evening on Sunday nights, anywhere we could get a group of people together um, to sing for. It was a summer ministry program that was sponsored by the college that I was attending, and so I got to be a part of that. But before I got to be part of that, I had to go through tryouts. And I had been knowing that these tryouts were coming, and they had to plan a song, and so I had to sing, come and sing my song, audition if you would. I had to come and sing my song, but I had zero singing uh, ability, zero singing uh, uh, experience uh, or musical experience. I couldn't tell an E-flat from an, a C-sharp to save my life, right? So I didn't know how to read music or anything. Well, one of the things that they did in this audition was you had to sight-read a piece of music, and you had to sing it. And I mean, I just butchered this thing. It sounded horrible. It sounded awful, um, but I made my way through it, and, and, and I thought, well, have, you know, if they, if they want me to sing with them, they, they must be uh, really hurting for some folks. But in any case, I, I got through the audition, and my, my interview portion went really well. I thought, you know, we did really good there. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's a chance that I might make this team. Well, the day came out that all the notices were going out to all the people who had auditioned. auditioned. Um, and uh, they were sending out the notices, and so I went over to my college uh, PO box and I went there and I checked it in the morning I checked it after lunch and I checked it again and finally in the afternoon there it was and it was a little notice uh, on the stationery from, from the school, from the people who had put this thing on and, um, and, I, and, I re- and, the, and the notice read Dear Mr. Griffin Thank you for your recent audition and interest in the summer ministry program We regret to inform you that you have not been selected for the summer ministry program and my heart just sank because I really thought this was something I was supposed to do I really felt like the Lord had put this out there as an opportunity. I thought I'd do really well with it, and I was excited about that opportunity. Uh, I was in a really low place. One of my buddies, uh, who had also tried out, he he got accepted. He was in it. And so he comes to me. He's like, hey, man, I got in. I got in. Which group are you in? I'm sorry, man. I didn't get into a group. And so I'm just in a really low place. Well, I thought, okay, God, I thought this was something that you wanted me to do. Um, I thought that you wanted me to go be a part of this, um, but apparently not. So a couple days went by and uh, I went by my college P.O. box and I looked in there and there's a piece of mail and it's on the same stationery as what I had gotten from you know the denial notice a couple days ago. And I opened it up and it read, Dear Mr. Griffin, we thank you for your recent audition and interest in the summer ministry program. We have had an opening on one of our teams. As first alternate, there's probably only one alternate, but anyhow, I was that one. <laughs> And I was thrilled to be that one. You have been selected or invited to be part of the northern ministry team. Please let us know as soon as possible. Apparently, one of the other students had decided uh, that they didn't want to participate, that they were going to drop out. Why? Because God is in control. God is sovereign. So keep working hard, giving your best each day. Show up for the auditions. Do your part. But if there's somewhere God needs you to get, friends, God will get you there because God is sovereign. He's in control. Number two, second reason why we should serve others is because God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. That means that he knows whether or not sending you on up the ladder will be a healthy thing for you. It could actually be a disaster. for It may look really wonderful getting that promotion from a worldly standpoint, but it could be a disaster for you and for your family. And so God knows that he's omniscient, Um, and we need to just yield to his his wisdom. But wherever you're at on the ladder, you and I are to use our position to serve others. That much is very clear. And number three, and finally, why should we serve others? Why should we live like this? Because God has gifted each of us for service. He has imparted a gift into each and every one of us to serve. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 12 he writes these words. He says, verse 1, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. And then he goes on to talk about the different spiritual gifts that God has given, imparted to each of us. He says to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And then he says, verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. In other words, don't let your gifts go to your head, Just because things are going well and you're using your gifts, don't let that bloat your self-image, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. In other words, whatever talents that you've got, whatever gifts that you've got, God dealt those to you with his sovereign hand. God gave you those gifts and made you you the, the unique person that you are. You didn't come up with them. You didn't create them. You didn't gift those gifts to you. They were God-given. That's what spiritual gifts are. God did not equip you in order for you to go out and promote yourself. God gave you gifts in order for you to work as part of a body. And when you're working as part of a body, that means you're working to meet the needs of the body, not just to promote and meet the needs of your own self. Watch what he says in verse 4. He says, "...for as in one body we have many members," And the members do not have the same function, but they instead work together trying to meet the needs of the other part. In other words, my kidneys are working to try and meet the needs of my heart, and my heart is working to try and meet the needs of my cells, and my gallbladder and my spleen and all the other organs in my body are working to try and meet the needs to keep my body functioning and healthy. In other words, the parts aren't out to exalt themselves. The liver is not out to exalt the liver. Instead, the liver is out to promote the good of the whole, of the whole body. And in the same way, verse 5 says, so we, though many, different parts with many different talents, so we are one body in Christ and individually members one to another. Philippians chapter 2 reminds us, that this is how Jesus saw himself. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6 reminds us, it says, that Jesus was in the form of God, that he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. That is to be lauded over everybody else. Hey, here I am. I'm God. Everybody, bow down to me. Everybody, uh, do whatever thing that I say. Jump when I say jump. Verse 7. But instead, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. Verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, friends, when this was presented to Jesus, that he was going to come down to the earth and be Mary's little baby and grow up and one day die on a cross for your sins and for mine, he didn't say, I'm not doing that. I'm God. Why would I want to go down there and help those people out? That's not what Jesus did. Friends, he put the needs of others ahead of his own desires. You know, God has given some of you tremendous talent as businessmen. Some of you can smell profit walking down the road. And that's a wonderful thing that you have that ability. Uh, Why do you think God gave you that talent? Did he give you that talent so that you could uh, earn little plaques that would hang on the wall in your office and so that when you'd speak at a business meeting, people would clap and say, oh, what a great, you know, a successful person they are. Or did God give you that talent so that you could use your talent and your success as a platform through which you could tell people about Jesus Christ? You know, some of you have incredible athletic ability. I mean, you are really exceptional in your sport do you think that god gave you that talent so that you could go out and make a name for yourself and have people idolize you is that why god gave you those talents or was it so that god could so that you could use your athletic ability for pointing other people toward christ i have a picture for you here does anybody know who this guy is old school somebody under 20 tell me who that is i'm just curious Uh, they heard somebody else say it. elvis presley that's right (laughs) Um, Elvis Presley is regarded as one of the greatest, no, it's not Michael Jackson. (laughs) One of the, uh, Elvis Presley is regarded as one of the greatest entertainers of all time. Um, He used to travel around, but I don't know if people knew this or not, but he began his entertainment uh, career as a gospel singer. He used to travel around Tennessee to churches, anywhere he could get a a, a showing, an audience, and he would travel around and he would share about Christ and he'd sing about the Lord um, and that's how he got his start. But somewhere along the way, Elvis Presley took the talents that God had given him, and he used them to promote Elvis Presley rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are some of us here who have been given great... You can go ahead and take Elvis off the screen. There are some of us here who have been given great abilities as public speakers. Did God give you that ability so that you could advance yourself? There are some of us here who have been given sharp minds and a strong intellect Are you going to use that intellect to make a name for yourself, or are you going to use it for the glory of God to make a name for the one whose name is greater than all? There are some of us here who have been given high positions, positions of authority in politics, positions of authority administratively in large corporations. Why do you think God gave you that? So that you could get all the accolades and and enjoy all the prestige, or to be used as a platform to lift up Jesus Christ? You say, Gordon, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't agree. I worked really hard, right? I busted my tail. I I, I paid my dues. I put in my time. I earned my success. Well, let me ask you something. While you were out there earning your success, who kept your heart beating? Think about that. Who kept your heart beating? While you were out there earning your success, and at some point along the way, some things started to crumble, And disaster was on the horizon, and somehow the sovereign hand of God stepped in and kept that disaster from being as severe as it could have been, keeping you from losing everything. Those of you who have been through stuff like that, you know what I'm talking about. Friends, it hasn't been all you. God in his sovereign hand has been there through it all. Friends, God gave us the talents that we have, not so that you can make a name for yourself, but so that we can glorify him through serving others. Well, let's summarize. Jesus has taught us to serve others. And he said in this we will be fulfilled and we will have a successful life. And even though it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, we know that we can serve others and still advance and prosper because we know that God is in control, that God can get us where we need to go. And because, number two, that God knows what's best for us. If there's something that we're missing out on, it's probably because... It's best for us to miss out on that. And number three, we can serve others confidently because God has equipped us for the task. He has given each and every one of us special gifts to accomplish what's in front of us. Friends, my hope is in 2020, it is a banner year for service at Hebrew Christian Church. My hope is for 2020, that it is a banner year, a joy-filled year in your heart as we yield our lives to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the example of your own life, um, how, Lord Jesus, you came down here to this earth, you surrendered uh, your rights to glory, you surrendered your rights to, um, to be God, and to all that goes with that, the accolades, uh, our worship, and Lord, you gave, you became a humble servant. You took on the form of a man. You gave your life so that we could spend eternity with you. And so, Lord, may we reciprocate that same kind of self-sacrifice, that, came, that, same, kind of self, that same kind of service in our marriages, how we relate to our coworkers, how we relate to people that we, people that we run into on a daily basis. May they look at us, Lord, and say that we're known because of our service not for our prestige. Jesus, take the loaves and the fishes that you've given to each of us. Break them. Multiply them. We pray in the coming year. We pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.